NBA Strayer, how are you going? It is NBA Strayer, it is Tuesday, February 8th, for bait. Uh, I'm your host, James Clements. I'm a writer sometimes, for whomst ever wants to pay me that sweet, sweet booze money. Here in Larry Armour Studios, again, I just realised, in my Sean Kemp jersey. Like, this is just how I live my life in summer. As soon as it gets hot enough in Melbourne... I'm just in like a throwback jersey for about three to four months. It's getting a bit gross. Anyway, <laughs> I'm here hanging out, giving you the lowdown on all the ins and outs of the NBA season. There is a lot going on. So luckily, I'm here to sort you out. Uh, we rep Australia a bit here. Hashtag spoiler alert. <laughs> it says it on the tin. Uh, big show today. More trade speculation. Uh, I've got four trades I want to see. Just bring the chaos a little bit. These sort of like balance the line between... Ah, that could happen, and mm, I don't know. Uh, We've also got some all-star replacements announced, which is kind of nice. A bit of trade gear, Um, just like a little bit of a word about the players of the week, and luxury tax. Yeah. Oh, that's some pretty nerd shit. Don't like that. Anyway, uh, so we've got all the five games today in the NBA Australia Game Raps. We've got a juicy slab of that's not a knife. Old mate, no mate, spot of the night, better than Alonzo Ball. We've got Yeah Nas. We've got Unpopular Opinion of the Day. And we've got our back take house. We were serving up a flame grill take. There's Australian player watch, very quick one. Uh, we've got a Shane Hill shooter, shoot, 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 shot, light him up award. And the previews and picks for tomorrow. It's a bonkers day tomorrow as well. So, uh, And in honor of his appearance on the Yaz game today, we're going to finish off with a brand new Jingles HR. He's back. I love it. All right, let's get stuck in episode 753 of NBA Australia. Let's go. The This is Nick Kay, and you'll listen to NBA Australia. Watch out for the shark attack. Oh, you better. Or the Julius Randall attack if you're the uh, video guy for the Knicks. It's good to see that sort of uh, get a bit more shine from the weekend. <laughs> good times, great memories. Punching on with assistant video dudes. Talk about that in a second. Right, let's get stuck in the way we start every show here at NBA Australia with a daily whip around. The all-star replacements were announced. Uh, first off, Jason Tatum steps in for an injured KD as a starter. So he goes into the starting lineup. Uh, and into the squad for KD comes the Charlotte Hornets' LaMelo Ball. Pretty cool. Good on him. And only his second season. Uh, I think he, Kobe, and LeBron are the youngest all-stars of all time now. So that's pretty cool. And, like... Yeah, becoming an all-star before you turn 21 is a pretty big deal because, like, the list is pretty gnarly. It's like Zion, Luca, AD, Kyrie, KG, Shaq, Isaiah Thomas, and Magic Johnson. That is a hell of a list to be on. Now, we might talk about later in year Nas, whether or not he deserved it, but here we are. For the West, in for Draymond Green. You might remember him going, yeah, man, my shit's all fucked up. I'm not going to be able to make it. It's like, okay. Dejunte Murray, which is just one of the coolest stories. Uh, Dude goes, what, 29th in the draft? Still in the green room? Oh, it's a heartbreaker. And all he's done this year is kick ass and take names. And I love him. I've always loved Dejunte Murray. Had a bit of a shift spurt in my heart. And uh, it's great to see him have a massive breakout year, so... Can't wait to see who wins uh, Most Improved Player of the Year. It should be Dejunte Murray or Darius Rucker, Judy Garland. And anyone who's still saying Miles Bridges is fucking hype. So give me some Dejunte. Give me some Darius. Battle to the death. Right, trade gear. Uh, the latest sort of news and whispers and junk. Uh, look, we're a couple of days out. We've got three more days, I guess. <laughs> Checks out by the time listening to this. Who knows what will have happened. But Rusty Westbrook, I'm enjoying the... Uh, chatter around that. Look, I don't expect anything to happen with the Lakers of the sort of giant aspect of a Westbrook trade, right? Like, there is still talk of like, oh, we could trade him to Houston for John Wall, and if we throw in THT, we might be able to get Eric Gordon. I kind of like that. (laughs) The way Rusty's been playing, I'd be like, yeah, on your fucking bike, son, I'd actually rather roll the dice uh, with a busted-up fucking John Wall. But at least I get Eric Gordon in the deal, who might hit a couple of goddamn shots. THT, Rusty, what are you doing? 
I do enjoy also the, the vibes out there is that if that actually happens, Houston might work in a buyout for Rusty and uh, it then goes sign with the Wizards, which is just fucking hilarious. So, uh, But either way, I don't know if Rusty actually gets traded. I can't exactly see it. I feel like LeBron, AD, and he are just sort of going to have to grin and bear it, right? The problem is they just don't really have too many moves to make around the edges either. And THT has not been lying it up, and that does not help matters. Anyway, CJ McCollum, uh, in addition to like the Pelicans that we were talking about yesterday, the Knicks are also apparently in the CJ stakes. You know who I'd really like to see uh, kick the tires on a CJ McCollum trade? And it feels like this is like one of those ones where you're like, ah, oh, well, that came out of nowhere. Hey, that doesn't make any sense. If he went to Sacramento, doesn't that feel like the most Sacramento deal of all time? <laughs> They're like, nah, we're, we're good. We've got CJ McCollum now. And it's like, what are you idiots doing? That I'm just here for the chaos, so give me CJ. But in terms of teams that sort of need that scoring two-guard punch, uh, I mean, we saw the Cavs already make their trade for my sweet baby carrots, Levert. The Pelicans desperately, desperately need sort of that extra dude that Devontae Graham is just not quite good enough to be, it would seem. Uh, so going for CJ makes a bit of sense for the Pelicans. Uh, if they have to throw Devontae and Josh Hart in there, it's going to hurt, but it's going to hurt my fucking hat. Love me some Josh Hart. Darren Fox, speaking of Sacramento, the Knicks are a team that have sort of popped up in all the Darren Fox talk, which is pretty gnarly. And it's kind of like those weird ones where Sacramento and Indy have been talking about maybe Fox for Sabonis or Turner. And you think about that for a second, you're like, oh, I actually kind of like that. Like, Indy could use, like, a half-decent, really super-quick point guard next to El Presidente Malcolm Brogdon, or you can move on Brogdon from in the offseason or whatever. And if you're really committed to, like, burning your bridges with Turner and Sabonis, then fucking do it and see if you can get something out of Sacramento for it. So, I like that. It's interesting. Jeremy, Jeremiah, Grant, the Pistons have told... They're starting forward, Jeremy Grant, that he won't be moved, which you can obviously always trust the Detroit Pistons. Seriously. No, really. No, you can. You can. This is disgusting. It's disgraceful. It's embarrassing. And I'm ticked off. <laughs> no, you can always trust the teams. Uh, but it is weird because it does, like, the Atlantic... No, the Atlantic, the Athletic. We're also sort of saying that it's not basically done that grants out so they might just keep him and just go fuck it because it does feel like so the wizards the kings and the trailblazers have all looked at jeremy jeremiah grant and the vibe is it feels like most teams have sort of called into detroit had a chat and then uh you know done a bit of their background and just found out that jeremy grant is like nah where i go i want to be the number one option everyone's like but jeremy you're not that like you're good but you're not that good like you're the number one option in Detroit, and your team fucking sucks, mate. So pull your head in. And he's like, no, I'm number one. And Detroit are like, oh, fuck. <laughs> we'll just have to keep him. Jesus. Uh, the Nets have poked around on Jeremy Grant as well, which I don't know what it would take for the uh, Pistons to give up Grant to the Nets. But I don't know. That would be a weird mix, wouldn't it? Playing next to KD. I don't know. Uh, but, yeah, if he doesn't move, it's kind of like a bit of a, oh, yeah, fuck it. Roll the dice with the Pistons and go from there. I mean, they can't tank any harder. <laughs> the Pelicans! I mentioned them earlier. Apparently, look, they're just out there trying to build something around Herb Jones, Zion, Brandon. My name is Jonas, so that's kind of fun. And the Spurs have already rebuffed a Chicago offer for a Teenage Mutant Jakob Pertle, which is fascinating because Chicago are like, yeah, we've got Vooch, but we need another white big guy. <laughs> And apparently asking price was around a future first rounder. And if you're the Spurs, I'm like, yeah, fuck no, I'd keep Jakob. They've just paid Zach Collins. They should be trading him as ASAMP because he's a fucking spud. But Teenage Mutant Jakob Pertle, like, they've done all the development. Keep the guy. Even if he is holding back my man, Jock, Rock'em, Sock'em, Block'em, Jock'em, Landale, you want to keep Teenage Mutant Jakob Pertle a little bit longer. Or fuck it, trade him because you already realize that you've got a gun in Jock Landale. Maybe that's why Pop sat him the last couple of games. Oh, we need to keep him under wraps. He's a fucking weapon. Uh, right. But in all this uh, chatter, there's sort of one thing that's sort of looming large, and I haven't seen enough written about it, is the luxury tax. Like, this is a bit of a nerd shit that we don't really usually go for for the old NBA Australia. Well, we do. Because, look, 
We hear about being smart, but not being fucking nerds about it, right? That's how we roll. But just keep an eye on the luxury tax because everyone who's within spitting distance of trying to get under it are going to try to. And we've already seen that happen a couple of times. Uh, there's only eight teams in the luxury tax at the moment with the Warriors, Clippers, Nets, Lakers, Bucks, Utah, uh, the Sixers. But those dudes are so far over it. It means that the payout to the rest of the teams, and that's how the luxury tax works, uh, remember. Like, you're in the luxury tax. You're cutting whatever your tax bill. You have to cut a check, like, on the end of the fucking season, like, on the dot. And then the other teams split that money evenly. So if there's only eight teams, uh, Boston are about 2.5 mil, or 2.7 mil over at the moment. It's sitting around half a billion dollars in just luxury tax, like 526 mil odd. And this is obviously going to change in the next few days. But holy shit, like that gets split across the rest of the teams, which is what? How does a cool fucking 22 mil basically sound for not doing anything? It sounds, that's just free money from the rich idiots of like the Warriors and the Clippers and the Nets and stuff. Like, that's gnarly. So, just keep an eye on this, because obviously Boston, with the 2.7 million over, are going to try to duck under it. That'll take, like, you know, them moving off Dennis Schroeder, I am German, Rondo, etc. Or one of their other, sort of, maybe a couple of their other smaller contracts. Philly are about 6 million bucks over, but the way they're sort of standing, they might just go, nah, we're good. But it's something to keep in the back of your mind. If we're 6 million bucks over the luxury tax... If we make any of these moves, where does it land us? Because we might just get some free money out of it. Uh, the Raps are two hundred and fifty grand away. The Heat, three hundred and fifty. The Wolves, eight hundred and seventy odd. And Portland, just under a tick under a mil. And uh, the Nugs, just a tick under a mil as well. So, with those teams like the Raps, the Heat, the Wolves, obviously Portland, they don't give a fuck. But now that they're under after that big salary dump, they're fucking stoked because now they just get free money. You know, as opposed to having the pleasure of paying no oh, pal. Uh, so with the Nugs, the Heat, the Wolves, the Raps, they're probably not going to add to that salary right now, right? So just keep that in mind. Same with Washington, they're 1.6 away. So yeah, you're going to be eating a big chunk of change if you add something to your roster at that point. So it might stop a few teams from going hard over the top at the trade deadline. Just keep that in the back of your heads when you're thinking about, oh, trades are awesome. Yeah, but it might cost you a fucking, like, arm and a leg. It also might prompt teams like the Suns and Mavs, who have a bit of space before they hit the luxury tax, like 7 mil, I think, for the Suns, about 15 for the Mavs, to sort of uh, maybe kick the tires on making that addition because they can afford to. So, just saying. Keep your eyes and ears on the luxury tax. NBA players for the week were announced in the East. You have Pascal Sikkim-Siakam because he has fucking been tearing it up. And I love it. And in the West, Brandon Spindles. Ingram. That's right. Spindles is out there, player of the week. It's because he and the Pelicans have been pretty bloody good of late. Just a heads up. And the last little bit of news, Ben Simmons. Uh, As you hear, what, yesterday we talked about the Harden for Simmons thing that popped off over the weekend, and then Steve Nash was like, no, James has told me that he wants to stay. And yes, we can always trust James Harden, the man who declared that he would retire a rocket. Um, <laughs> but also, it sort of seems like uh, smoke flares. As I mentioned yesterday, like it sort of cooled off, right? It seems like it was flares being sent up by fucking Shams, a.k.a. A bag holder for the you know old mate Clutch Sports, for his mate Simo about maybe trying to force something or maybe force the Nets' hands and scare them into thinking that Harden's, like, fucking bolting this offseason. They should try to get what they can for him. Now, as it stands right now, they're basically like, the Nets are like, nah, we're good. We don't want to talk about it. We feel fucking good when this roster is, like, all three of them are playing together. We're on board. Let's do it. And this is what I said yesterday. Like, that's where they're probably going to land. They'll kick the tires on it in the offseason, but otherwise... I expect them to stand pat. Right. Game wraps. 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 Game wraps from today. We had five. We had a couple of like close ones that turned into blowouts to kick off. So Toronto at Charlotte, 116-101. The Raps win it. This was wildly entertaining early. Gordon Hayward goes down with uh, Gary Terrence Trent Darby Jr. falling across his uh, leg. And you're like, oh, God. Not Gordon Hayward in a leg. No, that's not nice. 
Uh, we're going to talk about that again later, but it was pretty fucking weird. Uh, the Raps led massively after one, up 15 till the half. But the Raptors, look, the Raptors, I mentioned this yesterday in the preview, they just have like such a weird and fun starting five now that if you don't have the wing talent to match up, they're going to fuck you. And that's exactly what the Raptors did. But Terry Rousey got going in the third quarter. He dropped like 13, I think it was, in the third quarter. And Lamelo was doing some fun shit. The Hornets pulled him back. They're only down five going to the fourth. But then the Raptors, like, this is what makes them so dangerous. Like, that interchangeability of that roster is just fucking terrifying. And this is what I said in the preview yesterday, right? Like, Charlotte don't have the big dudes just to punish them. And so if it's all perimeter-based, like, the Raps can give you the old strangulation on the perimeter when it comes to their D. And suddenly your transition offense, a bit of that pace, getting out on the break, it's just gone for the Hornets, and that's what happened. Their D, the Hornets' D, just couldn't slow down the Raps at all in the fourth quarter. They got everybody going, too, and uh, they ran away with it, obviously. The Hornets went 9 of 40 from three. Uh, Rosé ends up with 20 points, six assists, 4 of 11 from three in the end. Lamelo celebrated being an all-star with a brutal game. 15 points on 5 of 19 shooting. Lamelo, that's not how you do it. <laughs> oh, well, I'm an all-star now, motherfucker. They can't take it off me. Nine assists, seven turnovers, brutal. Uh, but Miles Bridges, look, I talked about him most improved stuff. He's just good, like, filling the gaps. He had 25, 6, and 5 today. PJ Hamilton, Washington, was good. 15 and 9 for him. Uh, the problem was the Kelly Oubre. So they go 9 of 40 from 3 as a team. He went 0 of 8 from downtown. He ends up with 17 points because he just didn't miss, basically, from inside the three-point arc. Uh, but... Nothing from outside. Tough scenes. The Raps, meanwhile, went 15 to 35 from downtown. You like that? Siakam's just incredible at the moment. 24, 11, and 8. Tearing up Gary Trent Jr., 24. He went 4 of 8 from 3. Fred Van Vliet, the fight in Van Vliet. 6 of 11 from downtown for the uh, other all-star in this game. 6 of 11, 25 and 5. The OG Ananobi, 20 and 9 for him. 8 of 18 shooting. And Scotty Barnes, love him. God, he's good. 15 and 8, and just finds himself in the right position all the time on a basketball court. It's crazy. Just next time you watch the Raptors, just keep an eye on Scotty B. He just does all the small shit that you're never paying attention to that always makes a big difference in a basketball game. Anyway, Charlotte now 28 and 27. Toronto, absolute fucking storming Norman territories at this point. Absolutely flying, and I believe... What is that? Six on the trot. They're 29 and 23. Unbelievable. Miami! Kicked the shit out of Washington. 121-100. Uh, the Heat jumped them at the start. The Wiz just looked sleepy. Uh, they were down 15. Look, so this is what happened. Like Both sort of games early. Down 15 after one. Had a better second quarter, did the Wiz, but they still just got killed. The threes were dropping. Butts dunked on his own dudes. 15-1 run at the back end of the third quarter. Kicked the doors down. Miami ran away with it. The Wizards just had zero answers. They all just look like they fucking hate each other. It's hilarious. They went 7-31 from three. Brutal. 16 turnovers. Gross. Uh, Kuzma had 12 points, 14 for Aaron Holiday. Like the rookie, Corey Kispert, he had 20, but he still went one of six from downtown. They just couldn't buy a bucket. 13 and one rebound for Montrez Harrell. When Montrez Harrell is like getting one rebound in a game, it's like, all right, yeah, our season's fucked. <laughs> it's, it's how it always goes. If he gets angry, he gets sooky, and he's fucking checked out. Spencer Dinwiddie was shit. KCP. Oh, KCP. You know me, KCP. Woo, yeah. 3 of 11 for the notorious KCP. You fucking love to see it, don't you? I mean, I do, because I love playing the 311 drop. Uh, (laughs) But he was horrible. What can he do? The Wizards, without Beal at the moment, while well, he sort of sits back and just sort of lets them, like, what, throw up their own hang rope. It's not great. Oh, tough scenes. The Wiz, it's like, it does feel like Brad Beal is kind of like, oh, my wrist is a bit sore. I'm going to sit here and see if these motherfuckers actually, like, want to be here and if they can play good without me. Ah, interesting. <laughs> tough scenes. The Heat, they went 18 of 32 from downtown. So 7 of 31 for the Wiz. 18 of 32 for the Heat. That's how you shit pump a team. Butts went 19-3-4. and four. Bam! bio was unreal in this one. 21-7-4 for him. Big Buddha car, Larry. Had, what, three threes? He had 11 points, five assists. He was, uh, he just looked a little bit more, I don't know, 
in tune with this team in this game. Uh, I'd like to have a beer with Duncan Robinson because he actually hit a shot. Four of nine from downtown, 12 points for him. Gabe Vincent had 16. He went four of six from three. Caleb Martin, 15. Struess, two of five from three. And Duane, dead man, had 11 and five. And he went two of three from three. The big man. You love it. Anyway, Washington now 24-29. It's almost Packer-up boys territory, isn't it? Yeesh. They stink. They stink. It stinks. Meanwhile, Miami are awesome. 35 and 20. Phoenix took care of Chicago. 127-124. You little ripper. Uh, thank you, Chicago, for the amazing backdoor cover on this, especially if I had money on them like Jimmy. And uh, unbelievable. Because this was not that close. Uh, they got it down. Like, basically, the big crowning achievement for the Bulls in the fourth was getting it down to nine. And uh, the Suns then ran away with it. And we're up like 14 again. And then... Somehow Chicago scored like fucking 11 points in like the last, what, minute and a half. Anyway, uh, 1993 finals rematch, a great look too. You got the white Bulls uniforms, the purple Phoenix. Mwah! Perfection. Loved it. Uh, the Suns got up quick. The Bulls pulled it back towards the end of the first, but the Suns were in control all game. They never gave them a fucking inch. Uh, the Bulls really struggled to get into offensive rhythm. Like it was either DeMar or Levine sort of uh, doing some fun one-on-one stuff, bailing out possessions, uh, and they just couldn't keep up. Like, the Suns just did their damn thing on defense as well. It just made the Bulls work that much harder than they made the Suns, right? And without Caruso and Lonzo, the Bulls have been getting cooked, and they got cooked again today. That and Vooch not being able to hit a fucking shot was just yikes and mundo. Uh, but the Suns dissected them, right? Like, it was weird. Like, there were a couple of little moments where, like, Kobe, Kobe White was doing some fun stuff, but, like, with A.O., uh, Dosunmu and uh, Javante Green not being able to buy a bucket. They were just not quite good enough. And the Suns dissected them. I mean, they are up big, and then it took, like, a massive run for the Bulls to get it just down to nine points. And then, like, Crowder hits, him, like, his only three of the game, and they held him at bay for the rest of the game until, as I mentioned, like the last minute 40 or whatever where they just... The Suns gave up the ghost after Devin Booker was like, oh, I'm going to go for 40. He missed his shot. And the Bulls, like, hit a three. Got a two, got a foul. Hit another three. It's like, holy shit, they're going to cover. Oh, my God, they did. And, uh, yeah, I didn't mind that. <laughs> I'm just saying, but it was a good win by Phoenix on the road. Part of a big road trip. Big win over uh, one of the best teams in the East. DeRozan was awesome. 38 points for him. 16 to 27 from the floor. He was great. Levine had 32 points, eight assists. He shot nine of 20, though. Four or seven from three. A couple of times he just sort of looks a little bit lost especially with that Vooch uh, having a great game. he Like, Vooch had 13 and 12. You're like, God, what do you mean, Jimmy? Yeah, but he shot 6 of 15, and it wasn't even really that good, <laughs> you know? I think of those 6 of 15, like, two of them came sort of towards the end of the fourth quarter. There was, like, a dunk and, like, a bunny sort of uh, jumper that he always hits. But on that run where it's, like, it got it down to a nine-point game, he then missed a three, and it's like, ah, oh, shit, and then off Phoenix went. Uh, as mentioned, went one of seven. Javante Green went one of five. And if you've got two starters going two of 12 combined and 0 of six from three, tough to win that. Kobe was a nice spark off the bench. He had 13, but yeah, just not enough for the Bulls. And that defense is a big, like basically their big problem. Without Lonzo, without Caruso, uh, like they, they can't wait to get Patch Williams back at some point, but it stinks. Like the Sun shot 55%. They're good, but fucking hell. Booker, 38 and 5. He was great. CP3 had 10 points, 11 assists. That doesn't sound right. I think it was 19 and 11. Uh, <laughs> just, I apparently can't type and can't read my own notes. Notes, there you go. 19 points, 11 assists. He was great. 7 and 11 from the floor. Uh, what else? 13 and 9 for DeAndre Ayton in 23 minutes in his, uh, you know, slowly but surely coming back into a, a bit of form. He fouled out, did uh, DeAndre Ayton, but at the same time, he did a fucking job on Vooch. Uh, Bridges had 15. Crowder had 10, 10, and 6. That is a staunch Jay Crowder stat line. Tell you what, JaVale McGee, though. Talking about doing a number on Vooch, he was great too. He also had 16 points and 8 rebounds. He went 7-9 from the floor and hit a 3. You love it! Anyway, Chicago dropped to 33-21. and 21. The Suns are 43-10. and 10. Unreal. And their road record is absolute chaos. 21-5. and 5. Fuck yes. Anyway, uh, Golden State took care of OKC, 110-98. to It was the only pick I missed today, and it was by half a point. And I will also say that it was 12.5 when I looked this morning. 
But that's not how we play this game. <laughs> okay, see, though. Look, they put the fear in them. Like, early, it was really, really tight. I think they actually led after one. And then the second, the Warriors got rolling. Wiggins was doing everything. Pool and Cumbucket Kaminga got going, too. I think Iggy and Damian Lee hit a couple of threes. Well, hit a three each. And uh, that was the big difference with the game. They had 19 points off the bench in the second quarter alone, did the Warriors. Uh, like, Baisley dropped 13 in the third, but OKC couldn't, like, chip into that lead. And then, boom, in the fourth, they did. The Warriors sort of just went, ah, we're, we're cruising, bro. And OKC got it all the way down to five points because of, that's right, giddy up. Josh Giddy dropped six straight points, dragged him in the game with, like, two and a half minutes left. It was incredible. And then bang, Clay Thompson hits a three. And then another one. And then Steph hit one. And you're like, ah, oh, come on, Warriors. That's not fair. <laughs> but yeah, okay, see, so after Giddy scored those six points, Dort hit a shot, and then they didn't score for the last two minutes. So I will admit, that's some amazing tanking. Oh, shit, we're really close. We better lose. <laughs> Dort finished with 26. He shot 9 of 21. Gids was awesome. 16 and 11 with 7 assists. Unreal. Baisley was pretty good too. 8 of 16 shooting for his 20 points. Trey, man. Kenny Williams, Kenrick Williams, they're all good. So I just love the thunder. I love how hard they fight. If you put a little bit more talent on this team, who knows what would happen. Uh, the Warriors went 15 and 43 from downtown. Steph at 18, 9 and 10. Bloody good game without having to dominate. 21 for Clay. He was awesome. 3 of 8 from 3. We go 15 and 5. Come bucket though. 16, 4 and 4. His 6 of 11 from the field. He was great was come bucket. I love me some Kaminga. He just looks... He's 19. Like it's insane how good he is. And for a dude who was like, oh, I don't know if he's any good coming out like into the draft. All the talent in the world, but is he going to put it together? Looks like he's uh, landed in the exact right situation. Pool had 11, 8 and 8 as well. Great game from him. OKC dropped to 17 and 36. Mm, that's good ranking. And Golden State 41 and 13 with nine straight wins. And then finally, the Utah Yaz held off the New York City Knickerbockers of New York City. 113-104. This was a weird game. Weird. It was pretty tight all the way through the first half. Like Utah got down, fought back, and they actually led at the half by two. And you felt like that was a bit fair because it was like, oh, it's a game of runs. Yeah, it's a bit of a game of runs. And they're like, I think the Jazz opened up the third quarter with a 9-1 run. And then a 17-zip run by the Knicks got them all the way back up. The Jazz went five minutes not scoring. Ends up as a 22-2 run. And the Jazz just looked like they'd fucking packed her up and just went home. Like 22-2, like turnovers, horrible just... Lackadaisical D, Hassan Whiteside shitting all over the court. Uh, just no bodies on anyone. Mitch Robinson was just getting every fucking missed shot. It was embarrassing. And then they turned it around. It was incredible. So for the final three minutes of the third quarter and then into the first five minutes of the fourth quarter, they answered the 22-7 run with a 22-2 uh, run with a 22-7 run to get back up the Jazz. A couple of Royce O'Neal's threes were huge. Donnie Mitchell's like, oh, yeah. He hasn't hit a three all night. I'll hook him up. Boom. But the Knicks, look, they sort of kept on coming. Fournier hit a three, kept him right in it. The key play, though, was uh, Donnie Mitchell getting a rebound off a missed Royce three. Beats out Mitch Robinson for the rebound, though. Throws the pass back into the court as he's falling out of bounds to a wide-open Eric Pascal under the basket. Two points. Bang. Stop the Knicks dead. And that was pretty much the game from there. They just held him off. A couple of free throws. And... This is insane. Like They were dead in the water, the Jazz, and they pulled this off. So, big win. Look, the Knicks couldn't buy a three. They were 8 of 33 from downtown. Randall had 36 and 5. But, so that's 30 points, 6 rebounds, 5 assists. But as soon as he was like, right, I'm going to win this for us, they lost. So, not ideal. Uh, 23 for RJ Barrett, but he shot 8 of 25. So, again, not very good. 1 of 7 from downtown. Uh, Mitch, the other Mitch Robinson, he had 19 points, 21 rebounds and three blocks. He was awesome. Fucking love Mitch Robinson. Uh, Evan, don't Google me, Fournier at 16. He went four of eight from three. Alec Burks against his old team sort of sputtered it up. Two of 10, 0 of four from three. Uh, and very little off that Knicks bench. Tibbs, he doesn't trust him. And sometimes they completely, completely show why. Three of 17, they shot combined that bench. That's Obi Top and IQ, etc. One of nine from three. Just brutal. The Jazz, though. Donnie Mitchell had 32, 7, and 6. He's going to pop up again. He had four steals. He was bloody awesome. 20 for Bojan. 
Uh, looked like he hurt his hand a little bit later. Conley at 18 points, 7 assists. Jordan Jeremy Clarkson, 16 points. Hit a big three that sort of swung the tide as well early on in the fourth. And uh, Royce O'Neill, 2 of 8, all of which were from 3. But those three, those two threes that he hit in the fourth quarter were massive and uh, meant the Jazz won. So Utah massively sort of just coming away with a steal here, 33 and 21. And the Knicks are 24 and 30 all of a sudden. And had they have won that, you'd be like, oh, I think they might be all right. But they lose, and it's like, all right, trade everybody. <laughs> Just saying. All right, NBA Australia Brew Performance of the Nice. <laughs> That's not a knife. That's a knife. Ah, uh, the combo. Devin Booker and Donnie Mitchell. Uh, a couple of, you know, shooting guards. Just out there doing absolute work today. Booker was clinical. He had 38 points, 4 rebounds, 5 assists. He shot 14 of 23 from the floor, but 5 of 10 from downtown. Like, he was unreal. And it's exactly what the Suns needed to get past the Bulls, and he just delivered. And he should have had 40, but missed his last two shots, which was kind of funny. Because uh, they are like, I'm going to try to get 40, guys, and then we can t- call a timeout and I'll hop out. Clank. Clank. It's like, oh, fuck it, I'll just leave. And Donnie Mitchell, the 32-point, 7-rebound, uh, 6-assist, 4-steal game. He shot 13 of 26 from uh, the floor and 2 of 10 from 3. Uh, had a windmill breakaway dunk at the end that was just gnarly and loved every second of it. He played his ass. Like, Donnie Mitchell came back from a concussion like a game ago, and he's already out there dropping 32-7-6 with 4 steals. That's a game. And Devin Booker, 38. He was unreal. That's why the NBA, they are the NBA Australia approved performers of the night. Spud of the night, however. Spud, 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 a uh, couple of Wizards. Jeez, Rahul Neto. 12 minutes, 0 for 4. Yeesh, Rahul, what are you doing? One of, uh, was a one turnover and two assists. Alec Burks against his old team. The Knicks against the Yaz. 2 of 10 and 0 of 4 from 3. Ends up with 5 points. But I'll tell you what, a couple of uh, classics. Spencer, Spencer Dinwiddie, 4 points, 5 rebounds, 6 assists, 2 steals. He shot 2 of 6 and 0 of 1 from 3. In a game against a division rival that they could have uh, really, really used because they are sliding. And Spencer Dinwiddie showed off that uh, famous leadership that he's famous for that nobody wants because it's not very good. 26 minutes for his four points. I'm a leader. Are you, though? Are you? Are you really? Yeah. And, of course, Davis Batans, like, two points in his six minutes. That's the classic. Uh, and the other one was Hassan Whiteside. Like, jeez. In a game where you're going up against the other Mitch Robinson, Hassan, mate, can you just not be shit? And he's like, mm, nah. Three points, eight rebounds. As I mentioned, Mitch Robinson had 21, <laughs> including 10 offensive rebounds. It's like the entire game, the Jazz were like, just get the reap, goddammit, every time. And then he fouled out anyway. So, and just a classic Hassan Whiteside. Should I, uh, I'll just stand inside the circle, the charge circle, and, um, oh, I've fouled out. Yeah. The basketball, he's got the basketball IQ of a fucking cinder block, I tell you that much. Uh, <laughs> so there's a bunch of spuds today. Old mate, no mates, though. Old mate, no mates. 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 Who's got no mates today? Got three of these. Uh, the Thibodeau, uh, Julius Randall. Uh, computer <laughs> altercation was pretty good. Uh, so that's Scott King, the assistant uh, video coordinator. And uh, he's like on the bench trying to show Randall something with his computer. And Randall's like, fuck out of here. And like slapped at his computer. And Scott King's like, hey, motherfucker, don't hit my computer, you dickhead. And Randall's like, I will fucking destroy you, Scott. Uh, <laughs> I enjoyed that. Uh, but Tibbs came out and said, yeah, computers are part of the NBA. It's heat of the moment. Uh, but, you know, the interaction, like, that's normal. Every team has it. It's competitive people. Heat of the moment. They're good. They've got a great relationship. Oh, yeah? But, yeah, Randall uh, didn't really endear himself that much more to the Knicks fans, so very much all-mate, no-mates vibes. Uh, the other one was Gordy Hayward. 
landed on by Gary Trent Jr., just laying there injured under the basket. Nobody on Charlotte notices. And for two straight possessions, he's just laying there in agony on the ground. And no one on Charlotte, like, fouls or call a timeout or anything. And it was fucked. Like, another dude ran into him next time they came back down. Like, I think it might have been Gary Trent Jr. again. He went to the bucket, got fouled again, and then sort of, like, ended up running into Gordy Hayward, who was still on the ground from the other trip up and back. And he's like, oh, fuck, Gordon's still here. And the other Hornets players like, hey, man, like, oh, what's Gordon doing? It's like, oh, God. Talk about old mate, no mate's Gordy. <laughs> Jesus. They're your fucking teammates, and they give zero fucks about you. I'll tell you that much. And speaking about teammates who give zero fucks, Joel Embiid. I worked hard this summer to try and improve every facet of my game. I see my teammates did. Look at how much Tyrese did. At the end of the day, you have to have some self-awareness and do your part. Oh! Hello, Ben Simmons. Would you like that knife from the back of your backpack? <laughs> Jesus, Embiid. That was uh, entirely warranted. A bit of a panting as well. Uh, I also enjoyed like the uh, footage of Mark Berman just getting roasted. Like Julius Randle for having that weird video coordinated confrontation. Smash cut to like, you know, talking to the media. And Mark Berman, you know, just one of those classic sort of Knicks reporters like, hey, I'm just going to say some shit. What are you reckon? And this is going to be a great headline. And Randle's like, what? So Mark Berman's like, oh, so there's all this trade talk about you. And he's like, oh, yeah, who reported it? And Mark Berman's like, uh, oh, it's out there. And Randall stood his ground, and I loved it. He's like, who reported it, though, Mark? And Berman's like, oh, it's just, been, it's just out there. It's like, who reported it? <laughs> like, it was such a great, weird interaction between an NBA player and the media where it's like, yeah, Mark Berman, you're basically trying to get me to say shit about trade stuff that has just been made up on the internet, you idiot. Pull your fucking head in, and if you're going to ask me questions about stuff, make sure that it's reported stuff. You're just making shit up otherwise. That's me saying that. Julius Randle was actually like, just stood his ground and went, from who? Who reported it, Mark? And then someone's like, oh, Ian Begley had a thing. And it's like, I'm I'm not going to talk about shit that hasn't happened. <laughs> it was great. So, yeah, watching the New York media get pants by Julius Randle is kind of nice. Finally, better than Lonzo Ball. Lonzo was the best player in high school. He was the best player in college. You think you don't get to the pros and be like, I made it to the pros, now I can be average. He's coming for everybody. Coming for everybody. You got two little ones here. Come bucket, I mentioned him. Jonathan Kaminga, 16-4-4. Four four. Great game. 6-11 of 11 from the floor. Looking good, looking great. Crushing it. Uh, but this one, actually, I want to give this to Doc. Udoka Azubuyuke, great game for the rookie, for the Yaz. As I mentioned, Hassan Whiteside out there, the veteran, sputting it up fucking everywhere. Dumb fouls, dumb plays, the basketball IQ of a cinder block, etc. Meanwhile, Doc, in his fourth fucking start ever, in his second year, he was really good. Seven points, 13 rebounds, three blocks. He goes three of five from the floor in only 28 minutes. He crushed it. He did, like, all the hard yards. It was incredible. Uh, and he was, like, the number 27 pick as well. I'll tell you what, there's a bit of a history there. The Jazz and just in general, there were 27 picks. That's the Kuzma. That's the Gobert pick. Just, you know, just saying. 27. It's pretty good. So, Cumbucket and Doc. <laughs> what a Cumbucket. <laughs> That's... That's definitely not a detective uh, show coming to CBS this fall. All right, Yenaz, right after this. This is Cam Glidden. This is Anthony Drimmick. This is Mitch McCarran. This is Jason Kiddie. This is Daryl McDonald. Hey, guys, this is Hugh Greenwood. Yo, what's going on? This is Ellie. This is Mark Worthington, or commonly known as Wertho, and you're listening to NBA Australia. You're listening to NBA Australia. And you're listening to NBA Australia. And you're listening to NBA Australia. 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 All right, let's do some Yanaz. They're brought to you by thedailyliquor.com. From East Ninth Brewing, if you're in Melbourne, still warm. Tell you that much. Don't go get the Rona. From the bottle o. Bring the bottle o to you. Get it Rona free. Get all your booze Rona free from the dailyliquor.com. That's right. Bring the bottle o to you. 
You get all the amazing beers, wines, and cocktails they've got on offer, all the party packs, and they'll drop it off at your door, Rona free. If you're in the Melbourne metro area, you also get same-day delivery if you order before noon. And if you bang in the code STRAYA, what happens? You get a free sixer of the Dos Blocos XPA. How good is that? Absolutely love it. Free sixer of the Red Devils. You can drink them down fast. They need the wide mouth, like on the old solo cans, because uh, that's how drinkable they are. So go to thedailyliquor.com right now. Bang in that code, Straya. Get a free sixer on your mate Jimmy, and thank me later. Right, some yeah nahs. We've got a bunch of listener yeah nahs. I am Matty S. Over there on Twitter. Yeah, nah, Brooklyn are just dangling hard to fuck with Philly. Although, if they really want to ruin Joel's chip champions, uh, chip chances, they should send him over because Fat Man Hoop, Fat Man Hoop, Brooklyn fan, is never, ever winning a chip. Yeah, nah. I actually love the idea that they're like, just fucking with Philly and sort of maybe like freezing them into a bit of inaction when it comes to what I'm going to talk about in the uh, Outback Takehouse in a second. But, yeah, like I'd kind of appreciate it. Like if Brooklyn are like, aha. Fuck you. Oh, do you want a bit of James Harden, do you? Oh, this is... Oh, maybe we'll think about it. Oh, isn't this funny? Oh, it's a bit four. Fuck you. Bang. Clink. <laughs> beep, beep, beep. But yeah, the the vibe of like going, right, fuck it. We'll send you Harden because we know that it's going to be a shit show because we've just dealt with this shit show and uh, that'll fuck you up. I kind of like this one. I kind of think Brooklyn and playing... It's a bit of gamesmanship across the board, right? Like, them trying to go, fuck you for trying to back us into a corner with Harden this offseason. We'll fuck all your plans and leave you dangling at the trade deadline. And uh, even if we do decide, we know that he's a bit fucky and he's going to ruin your <laughs> chances of winning the title. So we're going to hold out and get all your good bits. Uh, I am Matty has got another one there. Yeah, now nah, Brooklyn Philly trade is more likely to happen if KD gets to send James and Kyrie both to Philly for Ben and stocking filler. Yeah, nah, look, I reckon Kyrie should have been like the first one traded and just sort of see how you go from there. Because for as good as he is, he's playing half your fucking games. <laughs> like, and he doesn't give a fuck about your team. He doesn't give a, a fuck about you as a teammate. Like, he doesn't give a shit. So I'd fucking pack him off. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. They just can't really do both of them. It's just too much salary. Because, I mean, what are you, you going to take back Ben and Tobias Harris if you're uh, Brooklyn? No, thanks. I'm good. Uh, so I'm going to say nah to that one because <laughs> I don't want Kyrie and Philly along with Harden because they p- pretty clearly fucking hate each other anyway. So you'd have to split them up. Uh, yeah. Matty Owers. Yeah, nah, this is a good one. Uh, did Golden State waste their tanking season draft pick by taking James Wiseman? Yeah, nah. Oh, I was still on board with it until he just hasn't played like ever this year. Because conceptually, I can see where they were coming from, right? We'll get James Wiseman with the number two pick. You know, we're looking into the future. Here in the West, we've got Joker. Dallas have just got the Zinger. AD on the Lakers. DeAndre Ayton on the Suns. There's just centers coming out the wazoo. We better get someone bigger than Draymond and better than Kevin Looney. We'll draft James Wiseman. So, in a vacuum, that seems like a pretty good idea. Unfortunately, I'm going to have to say, yeah, it feels like a waste now because... You look at LaMelo, he's already a fucking all-star, and you feel like he'd be unstoppable on that Warriors team. Like, Just imagine the fun he, Steph, and Clay would be. But even then, if they wanted to go with a big dude, like just look at a Kongwu. Like, he's beasting it for the Hawks, and he'd give them such a fucking good option at the five to go against the West Bigs. And a Kongwu also is like, it feels like he's a little bit more built than Wiseman. I don't know, but... uh. Just in general, I think the problem that Wiseman has barely played basketball literally at this point ever. Remember, Wiseman just didn't play in college basically after the Penny Hardaway Memphis sort of scandal sort of broke and he got booted. And so it was a bit of sight unseen vibes in which the Warriors took him anyway. Then he just barely plays his rookie year and then hasn't played this season. So it feels like a waste two years in because you haven't gotten anything from him and you could have either taken Lamello or a Kongwu or you fucking could have traded that pick for something actually really, really, really good. Because, like, there were so many weird, awesome trades floating around there 
at that time in the 2020 draft. And they just sort of swung and missed so far. And that's two years. Brutal. Anyway, uh, last one, Dan Drosher. Yeah, nah, LaMelo over Siakam is a bit of a joke. Ah, oh, Dan's a Raptors fan. Yeah, nah. I'm going to say nah because, like, Siakam was just ass for a lot of this season as well, right? Like, very up and down. Goes out with COVID, comes back, and is fucking lighting it up. So, yeah, if Siakam's last five weeks were his entire season, LaMelo over Siakam would be a bit of a joke. But LaMelo, look, he's at a pretty big, uh, I don't know, influence on that Charlotte team that I, as I always point out, they're just like the streakiest. They're streakier than the fucking squid's jocks. Like, holy shit. Nah, he's all right. <laughs> he's pretty well toilet trained, actually. Uh, <laughs> just throw my kid under the bus. Uh, LaMelo has been good for all of that. And he's fun as shit. So I'm actually kind of more happy that, yeah, let's get more fun players in the All-Star game. And uh, Siakam just hasn't got quite the body of work across the entire season yet to make it a joke. So I'll take LaMelo at this point. Jalen Brown is probably much more fucking stiff than uh, Siakam. I'll tell you that much. Speaking of trades, though, let's do the unpopular opinion of the day. Now look at me, please. Look at me. 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 These are the four trades I want to see to just bring a little bit of chaos. Number one, the Knicks fuck some shit up. What do you reckon? The Kings. That's right. The Sacramento Kings. They get Julius Randle, Alec Burks, and Obi Toppin. There you go. So you got a bit of a young dude, old dude, and the Knicks second round of this year. The Detroit Basketball Pistons get Marvin Bagley, Cam Reddish, and the Knicks second rounder that comes from Charlotte this year. And the Knicks get themselves some Jeremy, Jeremiah Grant, and De'Aaron Fox. I'd also, if I was the Knicks, I'd be sort of moving uh, one of D-Rose, IQ, etc. Because you've just got too many weird sort of uh, speedy guards. But that'd be chaos. Kings, Detroit, and Knicks all involved in one thing. The Pacers blow it up combo. Number two, Miles Turner to the Raptors. I love it. This is one that I'm just like, the Raptors should be doing this 100% of the time. Goran Dragic, Precious Tachua, and the Raptors first this year. Done. Call it in. You get a project big and precious. You get a first-round pick as well for Miles Turner. Off you go. Let's do it. Unless, like, the Pacers want a little bit of something more, maybe throw in a second as well. I don't know. Yeah. Raptors, Miles Turner, go get him. And number three, the Suvlaki King. The Pacers, they're really blowing it up. Demata Sabonis and Jeremy Lamb. Old sleepy eyes to the Wizards. Davish Batans. Daniel Gafford. Rui Hachimura. And your top 10 protected first that rolls over goes to Indy for picking up the big Suvlaki King. I kind of love it. Now you've got the Suvlaki King. You plug him in as your 4-5. Uh, you've got Thomas, not Kobe Bryant there as well, so you don't mind giving up and Gafford. You get out of Bertans' money, but they get a prospect in Rui, and they get a pick. Love it. Number four, CJ McCollum gets the fuck out of town, but it's not the way you think. It's to the Mavs. What? Yeah, the Mavs, they get CJ McCollum and Tony Snell from the Blazers. And Portland gets Tim Hardaway Jr., Sterling Brown. Watch out. Who's Josh Green? That's right. And uh, Dallas's 2022 first-round pick. Maybe have to throw in another pick in there as well to get CJ, but I kind of love it. CJ is just like a much more reliable, better version of Tim Hardaway Jr., like, you're giving up Josh Green because you've got to give up something to get something and your picks, so I kind of like that. What do you reckon? So, Kings, Piston, Knicks. That's the Julius Randle, Jeremy Grant, De'Aaron Fox swap. Turner and Sabonis off to the Raptors and the Wiz. And the Mavs get CJ McCollum. I just can't see it happening, but fucking why not? All right, Outback Takeouts, though. So, there's four trades. that would just be a bit of chaos. They're all a little bit tasty. They're not too fucking outlandish. It'd be kind of fun. All right, Outback Takeouts, though. It's Tuesday at Outback, and you know what that means? Oh, yeah, I'm on the phone just interviewing new candidates for the kitchen because everybody in the kitchen staff again. I'm going through a fortune in fucking, like, funeral expenses and being sued by the families, but I'll tell you what, every Tuesday the special is just 
it's almost worth it. Even if it does cost human lives. Because cassowary casserole is fucking delicious. And it's only at Outback. That's right, the most deadly bird known to man is also extreme amazing chicken. And it's on the specials board today, only at Outback. And today's flame grilled take is... Hey, isn't it fucking weird that Daryl Morey has such a fucking hard-on for James Harden? Seriously, it's just a bit weird. Yes, I'm going to trade everything for a 32-year-old fucking chunk who's just like, nah, don't even really fucking care. And I forced my way out of the last two places. Because seriously... Am I fucking crazy, or should the Sixers be moving heaven and earth to get Brad Beal from the Wiz and not James Harden from the Nets? Only. And a, there's not even a flame-grilled take. I just think that's what should happen. What do you do? Like, Brad Beal's 28. He's four, year young, four years younger than Harden. Like, it feels like he'd fit better next to Embiid as well, as long as you still manage to keep, like, Maxi or something, but... And you pay him through his next contract. Doesn't feel anywhere near as fucking onerous as paying like, Fat Man Who Brooklyn Clan! Like a 36 or 37-year-old James Harden, like fucking 58 million bucks a year? He might be the size of Biggie at that point. Like, who fucking knows? Basically, I just kind of like the fit of Beal over Harden next to Embiid if I'm the Sixers anyway. And it's fucking strange as hell to me that Daryl Morrow's like, Nah, James Harden! That's who we need. Like, what are you fucking on about? He's 32. What happens to guards in their mid-30s? Nothing good! Anyway, is that a flame-grilled take? I don't know. It might be. But I guess the flame-grilled take is give me fucking Brad Beal over James Harden if I'm the Sixers. Easy. All right, really quick Australian player watch right after this one. This is Shane Hill. And you're listening to NBA Australia. Alright, Australian Player Watch today, really quick. Uh, Jingles was on the Utah Jazz broadcast. Loved that. Just loved to see him, feeling good. He did a great job commentating as well. I think I tweeted out, uh, the Jazz are missing a trick if they don't, you know, with Jingles and his rehab. Also, just chuck him in the fucking commentary booth. It'd be amazing. He was amazing, just in that like little shot today. Anyway, uh, of the five games today, we only had one Aussie out there for Josh Giddy, and that lost to Golden State. He had 16 points, 11 rebounds, 7 assists, and a steal. He went 6-16 from the floor, missed all three of his threes, but he did go 4-4 four four at the line. Uh, ends up with 13 double-doubles now for the season, which is, uh, I'll tell you what, pretty bloody good. So enjoyed that. Good game from uh, the Giddy, Giddy-up kid. And... Uh, Look, 16-11-7, while Dort's crushing it, it's kind of one of those things where you watch OKC play and, fuck, he's just getting so much better. And I've, like, harped on this all season, but, like, you think about the improvements that he made from the start of the NBL season, the start of last season, to the end of it, and it was, like, leaps and bounds. The same thing's happening in the NBA. And the SGA injury probably couldn't have come at a more opportune time, right? Like, we're giddy... Usually you see them sort of hit the rookie wall around that January, February sort of spot. And he's like going from strength to strength because he's a fucking weapon. Hashtag mopped up mumba. I love it. All right. Time for the Shane Hill shooter, shoot, shoot your shot, light him up award. He threw it down. Are you healed? Are you healed? Praise the Lord. I'm healed. Praise the Lord for I'm healed. It is the Shane Hill. Shooter, shoot. Shoot your shot, light him up award. Oh, right. This one was easy for me. Like, uh, he had 45 yesterday, and he had 38 today. DeMar DeRozan there. Look, they lost both the games. Doesn't matter. But DeMar DeRozan, 45. He shot 18 of 30 yesterday. Backs it up today by going 16 of 27. So basically, he's just gone gone and shot 60% in back-to-back games and dropped basically, yeah, what, average, what, 41 points across the two of them. So a 45-piece with 9 rebounds, 7 assists, and 38-5-4 and four today. Absolutely lighting it up. The crazy part is, like, he hasn't hit a 3 <laughs> since, I don't know, like, the 2nd of February. And uh, I think they've played, like, an absolute shit ton of games in that time, right? They've played 5 games, basically, in like the last eight, 8 days. 
which is fucking wild. But he's been incredible. So the 18 and 30, 0 of 2 from 3. 16 to 27, 0 of 1 from 3. We all know that he's not going to be shooting threes. But to be that effective and to shoot his shot and shoot the shots that he knows he can make, I mean, that's a talent in itself. So great job, Demar. Hell of a run. Couple of big, big games. <laughs> right. Patty Mills Game Day Baller Game Day Twitter check-in. I love this one. Uh, Jingles. Back on the tweet machine. I'm just excited to have Jingles back in my life. He's feeling good. He's doing some tweets out. So having Joe Ingles so active on Twitter is such a delight. His interaction with the fans is unparalleled. Glad you're still alive, Joe. Hashtag take note. Jingles tweets that out and says, I'm alive and I have a lot of time rehabbing. (laughs) Smack my head emoji. And uh, just a couple of other classic ones. There was the one where coffee emoji, he basically proclaimed he was back on Twitter with a coffee, coffee emoji, and uh, away we go. And I was just excited. So a bloke named Derek is like, at this point I'm waiting for Joe to start his own roast company, and Jingles tweeted that out saying, I mean, I've got some time now. Should I question Mark? He's like, yes. I would buy the shit out of Joe Ingles coffee. Let's fucking go. <laughs> but the uh, probably the uh, fun one was tweeting out uh, Natalie Griffin, welcome to the Knicks Welcoming the Knicks to Utah, where it's life elevated. But for Joe, it's leg elevated at Utah Jazz. And there's a doll of Jingles with its knee all bandaged up. Jingles tweeted that out. Laughing emoji, laughing emoji, laughing emoji. Absolutely awesome. And then someone from Jazz Uruguay said, Utah Jazz are undefeated with Joe Ingles, a broadcast member. Facts. This is true, said uh, Jingles. Eyes emoji, coffee emoji, microphone emoji, telly emoji. <laughs> I'm just happy to have jingles back and tweeting in my life. And so should you be. Right, game previews. Game previews. Game previews. Thanks, inadvertent Bane. Not a problem, Jimmy. How's it all going? Oh, yeah, not bad. Bit hot. It's getting hot in Larry Armour Studios right now. It's all the talking. All the hot air you put out, Jimmy. Uh, Today we went four of five on the picks, as mentioned. A couple of them were very, 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 very close. And we only missed that one that was also very, very, very close. Uh, so now Toronto, Miami, uh, Chicago plus five and a half when they should have lost by about 10. <laughs> that was incredible. Uh, OKC, it was at 12 and a half this morning, but it was 11 and a half yesterday. Lose by 12. And uh, the Yaz was seven and a half. It was eight and a half that I had them today. And they just covered because RJ Barrett missed a free throw. So feeling good about stuff. Uh, tomorrow, though, we have 10 games on a Wednesday. That is a crazy Wednesday slate. We've got Phoenix at Philly. And this has been the big problem, I think, all season. I've had some really, really, really good matchups, but it seems to always fall when one of the teams is on a back-to-back and you're like, oh, come on, man. We NBA, what are you doing? Like, you've got like the world's biggest fucking super brain computer out there to sort out this schedule, and you still throw out like, oh, how about we have like good teams, but one of them is on a back-to-back, so it's not as good a game. Why do people keep tuning out? <laughs> Idiots. Phoenix, two and a half point underdogs in Philly. I think Philly can maybe pull this off with Phoenix on a back-to-back. Maybe. Um, it's going to be a tricky one, but it should be fun. I'm just going to lean with Philly here. I just think Phoenix on this big road trip. I'll take Philly minus two and a half. Atlanta, they're hosting Indy. Uh, the Hawks are nine and a half point favorites at home, which seems like too much, but then you remember that Indy suck and Atlanta, look... That was a rough weekend. They're going to bash up on somebody. It's going to be Indy, so strap yourselves in, Pacers fans. Atlanta, I'm going to take them to cover nine and a half. Brooklyn hosts the Boston Celtics. Brooklyn are five and a half point underdogs at home, and so they should be. They don't know if they're going to have Harden. They definitely don't have Kyrie. They're not going to have KD. I'm taking Boston in a fucking heartbeat, minus five and a half. Jeez. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. Uh, what else we got? We've got Clippers at Memphis. That is such a tasty matchup. Uh, the Grizzlies are seven and a half point favorites. I might take the Grizzlies minus seven and a half. The Clippers are nuggety. They are really, really, really scrappy. The Grizzlies, ooh, actually, no, they do have Covington and Powell. I might go the plus seven and a half. They might have just enough to keep up with Memphis, the Clippers. So I'll take the Clippers plus seven and a half. Houston, they go to New Orleans. They're seven and a half point underdogs. I think I might take the New Orleans Pelicans minus 7.5 against the Rockets. As soon as Spindles has come back, they've been kicking ass and taking names. So give me the Pels. Dallas, they host Detroit. 11.5 point favorites for Dallas. That does seem like too much because Dallas just, you never can trust them. But Detroit are just 
pretty bloody bad. So I'll take the Mavericks minus 11 and a half. And then we have New York in a back-to-back going to Denver to take on the Nuggets, staying at altitude. They should be fine. Uh, Joker is going to tear them a new one. Give me Denver minus six and a half. Millie Walker, they go to LA to play the Lakers. The Lakers. Uh, the Bucks, Lakers. See, this should be really fun. Milwaukee, I'm going to take them minus four and a half. I think Giannis, Giroux, Midi, there's just too much there for the Lakers to handle. Bobby Portis versus Anthony Davis should be kind of fun too. The Lakers, look, AD should really eat. LeBron should probably eat as well, but the Bucks just have too many weapons and the Lakers are just too inconsistent. Orlando, they go to Portland. The Magic are three and a half point underdogs. I'm going to take Orlando. <laughs> I don't want to, but I'm going to. And Minnesota, then go to Sacramento. Look, Orlando, Portland. Portland are in the middle of a teardown. So I can't imagine it's going to fill everybody with like a sense of fucking glee and happiness to be at work. So I'll take Orlando. Minnesota, they're three and a half point favorites in Sacramento. And I'm going to take the Wolves because Carl Anthony Towns, Ant-Man, that should be way too much for whatever Sacramento can handle. So I'll take the Wolves. You never can trust the Wolves though. So I don't know, but I'll take them there. And there you go. That's it for today. Noise. Uh... We are going to finish off with the Jingles HR, so that's all right. Uh, but we'll wrap up all those games for you tomorrow. Remember, Wednesdays are a later show, and especially with 10 games, it'll be a bit of a uh, steeruggle, but we'll get through it. Might have to have the squid as a special guest. <laughs> anyway, in the meantime, make sure you're following NBA Australia on Twitter, Facey, IG, or the socials. Get around NFL Australia with myself and Gaz. We've got our big Super Bowl preview show going up this week, including Jimmy's 10 best dumb bets for the Super Bowl and all the big questions you need the answers to. It's going to be great. Uh, check out Adam with World Wrestling Australia. Uh, always a classic over on YouTube, so check that out. World Wrestling Australia on YouTube. Get around NBAAustralia.com slash shop. Get your merch. Get your merch. Uh, check us a rating and review on your podcast app. Use the code Australia over at manscaped.com. Get 20% off from free shipping. It's men's grooming products. Shit, yeah. The dailyliquor.com. Use the code Australia there. Get a free six-pack. And no, be over 18. Drink responsibly. Be from Melbourne. Don't forget that. Knowable. Download that from your app store. Bang in the code dryer and get 20% off. All right. Big thanks go to From Oslo for the intro and outro song. And of course, Joshua De Laurentiis, Fascinator, Gold Mines, Ramshackle Army, Iowa, Sex Jedi, Green, 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 and Dozers are all behind all the tunes you hear throughout the show. So smash them all on Bandcamp, Triple J on Earth, Facey, Apple Music. However you stay up to date with your tunes, your bands, whatever. NBA Australia supports Australian bands. So should you. And let's close out today's show with the brand new Jingles HR. He's back. I'm excited. And we will catch tomorrow, you dickheads. This is NBA Australia saying look after yourselves, would you? And later hosing now. G'day, Joe Ingalls here, head of Jingles HR. Yep, the world's leading HR solutions firm, because I'll tell you what, got a bit of uh, time for it right now, because uh, when I'm not sinking threes, rehabbing my knee, planting a tree, or enjoying my real estate in Paul George's heed, I guess, I'm the world's leading HR expert, helping you with all your HR questions and problems. Might have to focus a bit more on this side of the business for a bit as well, eh? While I rehab, but and thanks for all your kind words out there. But anyway, I'm all right, Cobber. I'll be fine. Be right as rain in no time. So look, let's quickly get to this week's question, shall we? It comes from a Renee in Salt Lake City. Hang on. Oh no, dearest Joseph. Here we go. My husband hurt himself pretty badly while working. And he loves what he does and where he works. But if he left what he's doing now, he could probably slide into a pretty comfy high-paid gig elsewhere. Is it bad form for me to ask him to slow down and give up his current job? Yours, Renee Salt Lakes. Oh, come on, set You're having a laugh, aren't you? Look, yes, I get it. Spend more time with the kids. Relax a bit. Move home. Take it easy. You know, spring chicken. But come on. Let's all be serious for a second. If your spouse loves their job, let them do it. 
and they'll pull up stumps in their own time. So for the moment, if, say, your hypothetical husband has to rehab and recover, get back to his best, then he can make a clear-headed decision from there, you know? Well, hypothetically. So, I mean, as we say here at Jingles HR, do what you love and you won't work a day in your life, especially if you bloody well play basketball and do HR on the side. All right, so there you go. I uh, hope you take on that advice, Renee in Salt Lake City. <laughs> oh, jeez. The gumption, I'll tell you. Anyway, that's all we've got time for this week on Jingles HR. I've been Joe Ingalls. Go get a jab up ya. <laughs>